Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom. The podcasts are taken from the four volumes In Defense of Christianity, written by Ronald Keith Messer. Podcast 52 is entitled Self-Reliance, Concept 1, Blind Obedience. At the heart of our democratic republic is the principle of self-reliance. If we do not require self-reliance from our citizens, we soon lose our freedom and liberty. Any move toward a democratic republic produces an increase in self-reliance. Any move toward totalitarianism produces a decrease in self-reliance. It has company. It is all in concomitant variation. Any movement away from democracy and toward socialism, communism, and totalitarianism is a movement toward bigger government, centralized power, loss of liberty, loss of freedom, loss of self-reliance. Elected officials become puppets governed by the strings of those few in power. You do not need to ask how Congress will vote if you already know how the leader of their party will vote. You do not measure freedom by the number of rights, or by free elections, or by quarreling parties. You measure freedom by the percentage of citizens who are self-reliant. If the number of those who are dependent upon big government is larger than the number of those who are self-reliant, then freedom is but a name used to hide the specter of socialism. As power becomes more centralized, corruption increases by those holding high office. When elected officials become superfluous, many turn their thoughts away from their loss of power in politics and toward personal wealth, self-preservation, and retirement such as our government today. They exempt themselves from their own laws. The left has one vote, not many. There are no dissenters among democratic socialists. Their wealth increases as their power decreases, because in wealth they find substitute power. Many enter office poor and leave rich. If we do not return to self-reliance, our democratic republic is doomed. With over a $30 trillion debt, perhaps we have already reached critical mass that will set off the chain reaction of economic collapse. In this podcast and others that follow, I wish to discuss self-reliance as seen through the eyes of Ralph Waldo Emerson, as discussed in his remarkable essay, Self-Reliance. It was written when this nation was in its youth. Emerson captured the spirit of our forefathers. For the full text, please read Emerson's entire discourse. By necessity in these podcasts, I must be selective. Hopefully, however, I can be true to Emerson's philosophy and accurately define his perspective of self-reliance. I have selected 12 concepts related to self-reliance from Emerson's essay. Concept 1, Blind Obedience. Concept 2, False Charity. Concept 3, Truth. Concept 4, Faith. Concept 5, Nonconformist. Concept 6, To Thine Own Self Be True. Concept 7, Self-Reliance. Concept 8, Character. Concept 9, God. Concept 10, Solitude.
In this podcast, we shall discuss concept number one, blind obedience. Well, most men have bound their eyes with one or another handkerchief and attached themselves to some one of these communities of opinion. This conformity makes them not false in a few particulars, authors of a few lies, but false in all particulars. Their every truth is not quite true. Their two is not the real two. Their four is not the real four. So that every word they say chagrins us, and we know not where to begin to set them right. Meanwhile, nature is not slow to equip us in the prison uniform of the party to which we adhere. We come to wear one cut of face and figure and acquire by degrees the gentlest asinine expression. Emerson is prophetic and describes our day precisely when he said, Meantime, nature is not slow to equip us in the prison uniform of the party to which we adhere. The democratic socialists today have one vote, and one vote only, and that vote is determined by their warden. Else how could the democratic senator from Pennsylvania, who clearly suffered from a very severe stroke to the extent that he was unable to perform his duties, be elected to one of the highest offices in the land. Clearly, his personal health was irrelevant to the party. They needed a majority in the Senate and would have elected a corpse if necessary. It was inhumane and disgraceful. Blind faith is anathema to agency. Emerson said it well. We come to wear one cut of face and figure and acquire by degrees the gentlest asinine expression. It reminds me of a scene from George Orwell's essay against colonialism entitled Shooting an Elephant. Orwell said, He wears a mask, and his face grows to fit it. If one's own agency is not enhanced by following others, then it is better to rely upon oneself and fail than to rely upon others and become swallowed up in the success of their megalomania. I am thinking, of course, of those who blindly followed madmen who seek to rule our souls or who blindly follow traditions, or cults, or fads, or causes, or gangs, or mobs, or isms, or who blindly follow political parties, charismatic leaders, platforms, organizations, questionable business practices, or power-enhancing movements. To relegate one's conscience to another is to forfeit one's free will. No righteous ends can justify unrighteous means. Whenever the cliché, the ends justify the means, is used, It is almost always to justify selfish, deceitful, immoral, criminal, or hurtful behavior. It is Machiavellian pragmatism. More evil is done in the name of good than in the name of evil. Those who burn with a cause are often consumed in the fires of their own selfish conflagration. To sear one's conscience for a burning cause is the lowest form of slavery. Turning away from evil before it occurs is the highest form of freedom. The following story, which I attribute to the famous Swiss-American nationalist, Louis Agassiz, dramatically illustrates the folly of blindly following the lead of those who move simply because they are in the front. He studied a species of caterpillar, tent caterpillars, I believe, that travel in columns. However, they are leaderless. Therefore, when they leave the nest, they simply follow the first caterpillar to get out of bed. Their method is rather peculiar. The caterpillar behind abuts his head against the tail of the lead caterpillar, and so the caravan can stretch unbroken for a very long way. Agassiz asked himself what would happen if the lead caterpillar abutted his head against the last caterpillar. Who would take the lead? 
He saw his chance one day when a string of tent caterpillars climbed to the top of a large urn and marched around the rim. Inevitably, the lead caterpillar caught up with the end caterpillar. Agassi helped his experiment by brushing away the extraneous caterpillars, leaving just enough to form a perfect circle. As expected, the caterpillars marched leaderless until they collapsed. The next morning, they fell into the same formation and again marched endlessly around the rim of the urn, each with head down, blindly following the one in front until exhaustion overcame them. This went on for three days, and undoubtedly they would have died in their self-imposed forced march, had not the great scientist taken pity and broken their formation and directed them gently down the urn. People are often like those insects. I remember the sad story of a young man caught up in the Watts riot in Los Angeles. I watched the riots on TV and later visited the gutted buildings in Firecorn Street. He was obviously a businessman, but in his own words, which he uttered with great regret, he was caught up in the moment and became part of the mindless movement. He did things he would not have done had he not blindly followed the rioting crowd. Our prisons are filled with sad stories of similar history. Again, I turn to the story of George Orwell's shooting an elephant, which is a metaphor for blind obedience. In George Orwell's words, But at that moment I glanced round at the crowd that had followed me. It was an immense crowd, 2,000 at least, and growing every minute. It blocked the road for a long distance on either side. I looked at the sea of yellow faces above the garish clothes, faces all happy and excited over this bit of fun, all certain that the elephant was going to be shot. They were watching me as they would watch a conjurer about to perform a trick. They did not like me, but with the magical rifle in my hands, I was momentarily worth watching. And suddenly I realized that I should have to shoot the elephant after all. The people expected it of me, and I had got to do it. I could feel their 2,000 wheels pressing me forward irresistibly. And it was at this moment, as I stood there with the rifle in my hands, that I first grasped the hollowness, the futility of the white man's dominion in the East. Here was I, the white man with his gun, standing in front of the unarmed native crowd, seemingly the leading actor of the piece. But in reality, I was only an absurd puppet pushed to and fro by the will of those yellow faces behind. I perceived in this moment that when the white man turns tyrant, it is his own freedom that he destroys. He becomes a sort of hollow, posing dummy, the conventionalized figure of a sahib, for it is the condition of his rule that he shall spend his life in trying to impress the natives, and so in every crisis he has got to do what the natives expect of him. He wears a mask and his face grows to fit it. I had got to shoot the elephant. I had committed myself to doing it when I sent for the rifle. A sahib has got to act like a sahib. He has got to appear resolute, to know his own mind and to do definite things. To come all the way, rifle in hand, with 2,000 people marching at his heels, and then to trail feebly away, having done nothing. No, that was impossible. The crowd would laugh at me, and my whole life, every white man's life in the East, was one long struggle not 
to be laughed at. It is very ironic, but in the news this week, a huge scandal occurred when President Biden allowed a Russian spy balloon to traverse over American airspace from Alaska to South Carolina, photographing strategic defense areas in the United States. The administration did nothing until forced to by the public outcry, but it was too late. The balloon had floated out over the ocean off the South Carolina coast. After the spy balloon had completed its mission for China, the Biden administration had it shot down anyway, only because of the pressure of the people to be seen doing something demanded it. The administration knew of the China spy balloon even before it entered American airspace, but they were hoping it would go unnoticed by the American people. When it became public knowledge, however, pressure grew. Still, the Biden administration failed to act, and the criticism grew to an alarming rate, making the Biden administration look weak. The bad publicity grew to such an extent that the Biden administration began to randomly shoot down every unidentified flying object. It became a comedy with rumors of aliens. The missiles used to shoot down the alien objects cost half a million dollars each. And it was reported that one of the alien balloons was nothing more than a $12 weather balloon. The point is, the administration had to do something to convince the American people that they were on top of things. President Biden even boasted to the American people that if anything unidentified entered our airspace, he would shoot it down. Obviously, using $500,000 missiles, even if it was a $12 weather balloon. The reality is, there are thousands of unidentified objects reported annually enough to bankrupt our already bankrupt nation. It has become an absurd comedy with tragic overtones. America is very angry at the apparent incompetence. The controversy is still raging. But what is important to note is that the same thing is being acted out by the liberal administration. The White House, the Senate, and a large portion of the House and Supreme Court are just like the one described in Orwell shooting an elephant. And suddenly I realized that I should have to shoot the elephant after all. The people expected it of me, and I had got to do it. I could feel their 2,000 wheels pressing me forward irresistibly. Without even considering consequences, our liberal leaders are blindly and irrationally carrying out all the agenda of the extreme radicals who are pushing for climate change. Banning all fossil fuels, banning gas-driven cars, banning natural gas appliances in the home, denying gender, promoting socialism, defunding police, opening borders, creating sanctuary cities, destroying equality and promoting equity, destroying freedom of speech, freedom of religion, and freedom of the press, banning guns, trampling on the Bill of Rights and Constitution, denying the laws of nature, destroying traditions, dismantling the family, diminishing the role of mothers and fathers, propagandizing children, destroying our democratic republic, destroying the economy and promoting socialism, communism, and totalitarianism, promoting a one-world order, promoting riots, releasing violent prisoners to terrorize our towns and cities, destroying business, making cities unsafe. But the list is endless. The one thing all their demands have in common is the inevitable destruction of the United States of America as we know it, so they can replace it with a new world order. We must assume, then, that that is their goal. We must return to the original vision of our forefathers. We must return to God, 
and we must return to the absolute values of the past which never grow old or change or lose their power. In the words of Peter, Second Peter 1, 8-9 For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that ye shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But he that lacketh these things is blind, and cannot see afar off, and hath forgotten that he was purged from his old sins. The phrase, they are blind, and cannot see afar off, well describes our day. Blind obedience is anathema to our freedom and liberty. All we have to do is to look at the conditions we are in today. Exorbitant prices, reduced services, deteriorating infrastructure, bankruptcy, breakdown of law and order, increase in violence, destruction of the economy, versus the far-sighted visions of those who founded our nation, who declared that all men are created equal, all men are endowed by their Creator with unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.